0: You know those iPad-on-a-stick robots, like the one Sheldon was driving in the Big Bang sitcom? Ever wonder what it would be like to drive one of those? Well, I did. Here's your show. Episode 255, Driving the Beam. This is the AeroCast for the week of February 8, 2015. From AeroCast.com. Welcome to the AeroCast. <laughs> Alright, thank you for listening to the Aircast. Welcome to it, or welcome back to it. I'm your host, Eric Larson, 206-339-3742, listener feedback line, because this whole podcasting, it's easier to talk than to type. So I'll take an email, I'll take a tweet, but you can just call in to 206-339-ERIC, leave a message, and uh, let me know what you think. Probably going to pick up an extra listener or two, because this is a, a broader topic, but I want to give you a bit of context. Uh, the Aircast, uh, which occasionally slips into the majestic we, so what we are here is uh, what we call a personal podcast, meaning that you either know me, Eric Larson, and you're kind of wondering what's going on in my world, which I'll explain in just a couple minutes, or maybe in this case, um, you're interested about a particular topic, like you know that whole iPad on a stick robot deal thing, and you bumbled into the podcast or intentionally sought out the podcast based on that. You're kind of along for the rest of the Aircast ride. So uh, it's it's an eclectic mix, and I hope you stick around for that. Uh, I don't often explain who I am, so let me uh, briefly comment. I don't mention my employer too often, though it's super trivial to figure out <laughs> who my employer is. Um, but I am what they call an academic technology consultant at a large private university in Minnesota. Minnesota's largest private university, actually. And what that means is I'm kind of a faculty uh, consultant, liaison, um, concierge. I don't really know what a good word is for it, but um, if you were teaching and you had a question that wasn't quite the, hey, my printer's broken, or hey, I need this stuff done on the server, but sort of a, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to do X, and X equals something with technology, I would be your guy, um, depending on what department you fit into and stuff. So that's how I'm in the whole instructional technologies world. This week though, this is the background part. So if you're not interested in uh, anything but the beam, uh, just tune out for about 30 seconds. Uh, sorry I missed last week. I've been trying to be better in 2015. Uh, we're, we're at what should be super crazy celebratory episode FF in hexadecimal because we're at uh, 255. Gotta be a real geek to appreciate that. Some of you are, are have enough geek street cred to really get that if you don't that's okay you're better off anyway this past week was was the strangest professional personal schedule week thing i've had in in a long long time i honestly haven't gone through this week i don't even remember why last week i didn't get a podcast out because this week was a bit strange. Last Saturday was the Hudson Hot Air Affair, the whole hot air balloon thing. Uh, they didn't launch because they almost never do, uh, but it was fun to go out there. In fact, I, I ran into um, the the balloon pilot I was working with last fall. Um, got to help do the the cold inflation of Gus T. Guppy, uh, the the hot air balloon that looks like a fish. One of many, but it's the one that's popular up here. Um, so that was kind of fun. And then heading into this week, we had the ELI conference. We'll talk about that in uh, just a moment. Then on Wednesday, I uh, got a couple of listeners that appreciate this. uh had Chloe's annual cleft team checkup appointment. So we got to run her through all that and get some information, kind of a plan for 2015. Though we don't have a lot of detail on the plan. And then, it was school conferences for the girls, but Ruth, of course, is still teaching, and it wasn't conferences, but the schedule's a bit off, so I was kind of back and forth in a a quirky work schedule. So, it is now Friday evening for the week of February 8th, and things are finally a bit back to normal. So, okay, this week's topic, Driving the Beam. I mentioned the ELI conference. So when you are involved in higher education and higher education technology, there's this huge national consortium collective group called Educause. Um, As an aside, if you go back close to 20 years now, not not quite 20 years, um, there was Educom and there was cause and they merged and became Educause. So this is a bunch of people, you know, like me and better <laughs> who are from various schools and things and we're you know, all talking about uh, things you can do to to help teaching and learning with technology. Okay. They have conferences. In fact, when I was in Denver a couple years ago, that was the annual Educause conference. Um, this was ELI, which is kind of a sub-conference of that. And what we do at, at, uh, at my work when we, almost every year, we sort of bounce back and forth between ELI and the Educause conference. But anyway, you can sign up for a uh, a remote attendance, so it's like any conference where you you get on a plane and you fly there and you hang out with people. But they also have a remote version of the conference where um, you get on uh, Adobe Connect, you know, like WebEx or whatever, and hang out with the the remote sessions. Sometimes it's a video camera in the back of a room of a live session, and sometimes it's a special like online only session. So that's kind of what's going on. And and we do that because uh, we can buy, you know, one subscription. This is how it works. It's not like we're stealing anything. And then we all get together in the same room, you know, the, the team that I'm on. And so it's sort of a, um it's like a miniature retreat, you know, sort of team building type thing. I'll be honest. I, one of the benefits of having an actual conference where you go physically is you're gone physically. If you try to do this with... Everybody just saying, "Hey, I'm going to block off the time in my calendar, and we're going to go there." Common sense would indicate this is a much, much better way of doing things because you save on airfare, you save on the full conference fee, you save on hotel. You know, it's it's a few hundred bucks for like the entire team to attend, whereas you know I don't think you could do you know a trip, to conference trip. It'd be, you'd be hard pressed to do it for under two thousand dollars. When you figure in flights and hotel and the actual conference fee and you're eating out and all that kind of stuff, so from just a pure numbers standpoint, it's a slam dunk. You got to do this. But the reality is, if you're still in town and like particularly sitting in the building where you work, things always come up. Always, 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 always come up. And even if nobody directly tells you, hey, since you're here, can you do such and such? You're still there and you still know, oh, I should really do such and such. And there's still like, you know, whatever other non-work obligations you have, family stuff or whatever, as opposed to, look, I'd love to be there to help you with your homework or whatever, but I can't because I'm in a different state. So that's always a little hard with the, the, the online conference, remote conference thing. It's hard to really get that, that, disconnected experience, not disconnected from the conference material, but disconnected from the rest of your world so you can really focus on what you're paying money to experience. But the other disconnected issue is you feel kind of disconnected from the conference setting. You're not there. You're not in that environment. You're not meeting people. You're not you know rubbing shoulders and bumping into them. And that was the idea behind the beam. So let's see if I can take 10 minutes or so and explain this this full it was a full rundown of what this was. Hopefully, you have the vision in your mind. You've seen these things. It kind of looks like a Segway, but with no person sitting out. It's like a, a screen at the top. Um, and if you're a fan of the, the Big Bang Theory, um, Sheldon created one so he could go you know, remotely attend his, his stuff. That's what we're talking about. There have been a few of them over the years. Uh, there's a, a fairly new one called the beam or the beam pro um, from a company called suitable technologies that is much cheaper than the other ones this used to be a like you know five six thousand dollar thing um, they're more in like the two thousand dollar range which is Pretty impressive. Now, if you're like I am, you immediately start figuring out how can you stick an iPad on a Roomba, which people have done, um, but that's a little bit hard. Uh, in fact, next week I think I'm going to talk about the Chuzatron, and we'll kick off our our new second half of the Ericast life when we're you know we're out of our 255 and into 256 with a throwback to a, to kind of an eight bit world. But anyway, point being. This is an actual product that you buy. You don't have to build it yourself. It actually it actually just works and runs. So that company went to Educause. Educause went to them. I don't know how it all worked. It doesn't matter. And said, we've got a great idea. Let's have a couple of these at the actual physical conference. So the people who are the virtual attendees, and they're normally just sitting in a room staring at a screen, let's give them the chance to actually be present at the conference. Now, when I was driving this, you know, jump ahead, a couple of folks asked, hey, how'd you get to be on this? Well, I don't really know, but the story or the context is, um, Malcolm Brown, who's, uh, now the head of ELI, uh, contacted my boss when we signed up for the virtual sessions and said, Hey, we're looking for volunteers that are willing to drive this thing around. Well, I had met Malcolm back in 2008. A colleague of mine and I went to a, um, face to face you know, seminar thing um, over in Madison, which is about a, oh, it's a few hour drive, five hour, four, five hour drive here from the Twin Cities, so um, far enough away that, you know, you're, you have gone to something so you can focus, Um, but close enough that it wasn't crazy super expensive, it was only like moderately expensive, anyway, came in there, sat down, um, there's this guy next to me named Malcolm, hi, how are you, You know, great, whatever, he went off and did whatever else in the room and my colleague said that that's malcolm brown I'm like yeah i know that's what his name tag says you don't know who malcolm brown is i'm like i sorry not really should i yes you should yeah so um malcolm's really cool he's uh, you know now the head of this entire program um so he got to know me as well as you know you know one out of 30 some people or whatever but during the, the during the course of that um session if he was paying attention my personality would shine through so um when we got word of hey do you want to do this thing to drive this beam around i said sure if none of my colleagues are interested i'd be happy to do it and you can tell malcolm hey you might remember me from madison in 2008 well i don't know if that helped or not don't know if malcolm remembers me or not but that was the, the personal connection notice Personal connection. See, that's that's an important key when we're talking about all this. Um, and I was one of like ten or twelve people who were on the list of uh, the people who could drive the beam. We were given an assigned slot, an assigned time slot. For us, you know, beam driving com- by committee wouldn't really work, but at least deciding what to go to would make sense. So we went to where we we picked or lobbied for a poster session. Now if you're not a big conference person, the concept of, of poster sessions at conferences, you have the, the, you have like an opening keynote that everybody goes to and then there are, you know, the main sessions, you know, you might have a dozen or two dozen running at once and you pick which one to go to and they're held in a, a room and it's, it's like a lecture or something, which is a little ironic in terms of learning theory, but that's okay. But the poster sessions are where, um, it's one time slot and you put like, you know, a dozen people in one room and then you, the conference participant, just kind of wander around and, and, and talk to them or look at what they have. Typically it's like a big poster laying out, you know, their findings, their thesis, their innovation, their whatever. You can walk up and look at the poster and talk to the person and then just kind of wander as you see fit, which is a perfect concept for this beam. Cause if you're looking to just go to a conference session, well, the camera feed in the back of the room is going to be better than anything else. But for something like a poster session, hmm, you can just kind of move yourself from one thing to the next. It's really cool. So that's what we decided to do. In advance of this, they say, okay, make sure your computer is all set up. It takes some specialized software because I'm sitting on my computer in Minnesota with the keyboard in front of me. You've got the, the keyboard controls like the little cursor arrows, you know, forward, back, left, right you need the software installed you need to make sure it actually works so we had a a pre-conference session uh with a nice young lady named emily at my appointed time I, i beamed in we were there in minnesota i don't remember if it was snowing that day but it was cold i always have to explain in minnesota it's cold palo alto california was not cold and there was emily which now at that point it's like skype it's like okay great there's a screen you know We've all experienced that. And that's cool enough, but we know what it is. But you start using your cursor keys, and you start wheeling around, and you're driving. I'm moving my hand, but this just doesn't help on an audio podcast. And there I am driving around their office in Palo Alto, California, navigating around tables and potted plants. You know, literally don't want to bump into Emily, don't want to bump into the plant. And as a training perspective, they take you up to a mirror, so that you can see yourself in your disembodied state. You know, there you are, and there is a the screen that, that you're looking back at. It's just a floor-to-ceiling, floor to four-foot-wide mirror. And that emotional experience, if you've seen the RoboCop reboot... Um, and I'll include a clip in the show notes so you know if you haven't seen it, you can at least see the clip. It's a little bit out of context. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The mirror scene. If you haven't seen the movie, it's going to be a bit out of context. But that is how it felt. I mean, not like... I'm sure it would be different if I actually were in the position of Robocop seeing myself being disembodied or dismembered. But that, that little emotional, mental skip... Where, like, wow, that's, re- there I am on a screen in California moving myself around, but I'm not there. It's really interesting. So, that first experience was one um that immediately brought me back to being 16 years old in driver's ed. And all the anxieties I had, you know, 25 years ago of, you know, how far do I turn the wheel? How far down do I push the gas pedal? How do I judge, you know, navigating a, a curve so I don't like, you know, swing into the other lane or go into the ditch? All this, all this stuff that you don't think about anymore because driving is completely automatic. But at the time I was really worried about that. How far down should I push the gas pedal? Think about it. That's, <laughs> this is a major question. Actually, no, it's not. You push it a little and if you want to go faster, you push it more. And if you want, Going out as fast, you push it less. I mean, you get that now. But that 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 initial anxiety of how do I drive this thing, and I and I don't want to you know cause problems or injuries. I mean, this, this is sort of a live event. I mean, it's not just like how do I assemble this patio barbecue? I don't know. I'll read the instructions and go over them more slowly. This is like I'm moving this big piece of machinery. So that was sort of interesting. Um, but I figured okay. I can do this. So we had a pre-call um, with the very, very nice handlers who are going to be there at the, the conference itself, right next to you while you're driving the beam. So that's okay. Um, they warned me that you know people might want to take selfies. You know people people will you know take pictures of you or whatever. You know you might attract attention. It was good that they warned me of that, um, and totally fine, but that, that did happen. And that gave me an interesting, um, it gave me a sympathy for celebrities that I didn't have before. Because we all think when celebrities, you know, complain about the paparazzi, like, look, you chose this career. You know, come on, Miley, <laughs> don't, don't complain you pick this and you're you're getting all this fancy money or whatever so people want to take your picture you know cope deal with it on the same way you know, i volunteered for this it was really cool i was really happy to do it and i didn't i didn't mind i certainly was not upset by any means with you know anybody taking a picture but it was kind of distracting because you're there for the, um, and don't feel. If you are one of the people, don't feel bad at all. It's a, a, a part of the experience. I'm just, I'm just sharing the mental processing. Um, but there's, you know, the layer of thinking of. You know, which poster session do I want to go to? Oh, that's interesting. Badging for faculty. Let's think about, you know, credentials, et cetera. Okay, there's that. Then there's another layer of, I have to drive this and not bump into people and not run over anybody. Where's my handler? Okay, there she is. That's good. All right. So I think I might want to move down this way. That's getting awfully crowded. There's that whole layer. And then there's the, you know, smile. Someone's taking your picture. Fine. Again, totally fine. But... It was interesting to, to see how that, that did um, add another layer of mental processing onto something. And my, and my biggest thing, and this is, going to get, as we, this is going to run a little bit long, but as we kind of get into the last key layers, this isn't to like, you know, brag or complain or not do anything. It's, it's just sharing what the actual experience is like, because it is different. And it's one thing to sit in comfort and say, "Well, here's how I would handle this, or here's what I would do, but to actually experience it personally at your own fingertips is really different, really different. So one of the conclusions I came to is i I think everybody ought to have at least one beam driving experience, something like it before they start pontificating on accessibility and accommodation and technology topic for another day, but it's a big topic in education, particularly higher ed of people who uh, are physically challenged in some way and need uh, a technology mediated experience. Um, they need closed captioning on their videos. They need uh, a, a PDF that is uh, screen readable. Uh, they need a, um, a variety of stuff and we don't have time to get into it, but something where they need some sort of help from technology to be able to have that full experience. And occasionally for the people who are providing that service, it gets a little frustrating because it's extra work for them. I'll I'll be honest. We don't like to talk about this, but that is, that, that's just, that's a fact. It's like, well, before I could just put the video up and now you're telling me I have to spend the time to write a transcript or closed caption the video. Well, yes, that is exactly what you're being told. And it, it having the experience of being completely personally dependent on a technology and dependent on the people there, um, thanks Tracy, uh, who are helping the technology to work. Like when there was a Wi-Fi glitch and I couldn't move, she literally had to push me over to the table that I wanted to go to. Like, Okay. Um, smidge embarrassing. But if she hadn't done that, I would not have been able to experience anything. I needed her to do that. And then the, hey, I'm not trying to get in your way or whatever, even though I know I'm kind of getting in your way by wheeling myself in here. So I feel sort of socially awkward doing that to you, but I, I, I need to kind of be here, but I feel really bad that I'm bothering you. Again, words don't adequately describe the emotions that go into processing that experience. It really is different. You really have to kind of feel it. And I found that was a, it was a useful way to feel it in a way that was real. You know, there are all sorts of simulations. Uh, they, they do this, you know, you see the news reports in, um, in high schools where they, they tell students, you know, here use a wheelchair for a day, that kind of thing, and maybe that has the same effect. I don't, I haven't, I haven't done that, but this was one where it's like I can't just step out of my wheelchair and go to the drinking fountain or whatever. If I, if I want to to engage with this person, if I want to see this poster at this poster session, I, I need the technology to work and I need the people there to help me. That was really interesting. Um, all that said. There was an additional element of presence, just like email's cool, phone is better, and then skype Wow, it's cool, I can see you, we can talk, and we've all we've all had those layers of experience well, yeah you know, being there remotely, seeing malcolm i you know i haven't i haven't personally seen him since two thousand eight, um but we talked on the phone like, hey, how's it going but you know. There he is. I'm wheeling along, and there he is in the hallway. I had just seen him on screen from one of the, like the the major broadcast sessions. He was leading that session, and like, oh, there he is in the hall. You know, hey, I just saw you there, and now you're here in the hall because I'm here. There is an there is a maybe not by orders of magnitude, you know, life changing engagement there, uh, but it is really there is a a, a personal level of connection that comes from this um and I don't know if it's just the novelty um you know th- there there were folks that walked up to me and struck up a few conversations etc because I was the only one driving the beam at the moment so maybe if there were hundreds of them floating around it wouldn't really matter you would just if you were there in person you'd get annoyed that you had to walk around all these things I guess but but yeah, there was. I, I feel like I I know those people better than just seeing a name in a chat pod in an online session. I don't know how that scales. You know, you obviously can't. Um, if you had a hundred of these around, you wouldn't really be able to have a hundred handlers. Um, I don't know if it if it works you know, merely because of the novelty but it is, it is different. And it was a great experience. I'm still kind of processing it. I don't really know what the next steps are. Um, steps, by the way, that is a problem. Stairways would not, not be good. It will fall down the stairs. So you need to be on level surface. Um, which, which is funny because I'm thinking in my own building, I'm on the third floor, my office is on the third floor of a beautiful old, um, the old admin building on our campus. Um, so I could wheel myself to and from an elevator, but I would need somebody standing there to push the button for me, and then they'd have to ride with me because I wouldn't be able to get out. I guess I... No, I wouldn't be able to get out. They could they could call the elevator. See, you have to think about these things. Like, well, I, I could get there, but once I got inside, I wouldn't be able to push the button to get me down to the correct level. But once I got to the basement, I could go through the tunnels. i would be good. It's those except for the doors because I wouldn't be able to push the 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 wheelchair access buttons to get the doors open, see, so yeah, so I don't know like buy one for the office or whatever I don't quite know how that works, but it it um, it has caused me to to think in new and different ways so um, that's my summary. I'd love to know what you think if you've had any experience with these or if you have any other questions, I'd be happy to answer them uh, in conversation with the the folks that i I was wheeling the beam around. Um, They had some really good questions about the process and stuff, so I'd be happy to answer those for you. You know how to get a hold of me? 206-339-3742. Spells out 206-339-ERIC-ERIC. Would love to know what you think. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to The Ericast from ericast.com. Visit us at www.ericast.com.